Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Log Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. We rock it like we're never going to see us again. Good evening, everyone. It's 9 p.m. and Pure Gold is live and on the air for this Tuesday night, August 23rd, 2011. Welcome to the show that covers everything, anything, and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Pacino, along with my co-host and tag team partner, David Gomez. DG, what's shaking? Uh, other than the earth and uh, most of New Jersey and most of the country on the eastern seaboard, uh, not much, sir. Holy crap. I I was a little terrified today at 151. Uh, what were you doing? Me? Uh, I was actually working, you know, my day job, and uh, all of a sudden I felt the earth tremble a bit and i was like what in the world is going on i was a little not nervous per se but i was kind of lost as to what was going on you know a little surreal and i texted my wife asked her you know what she was doing and my my mom ended up texting me and you know basically everybody felt it all over the place so it was it was pretty interesting to say the least yeah i'm on vacation this week from my other job as well so i was uh having lunch with sabrina and you know sometimes when a, a big truck passes by you feel the uh the house shake a little bit but when I stood up, I actually felt like the house moving left to right, and I was like, that's not a truck moving. So I grabbed Sabrina, ran outside with everyone else that ran outside, and was like, what was that? I mean, the first thing that I thought after not being a truck, um, I, I I started thinking actually bad thoughts because, like, obviously I'm very pessimistic with 9-11 being around on the corner. I thought something was going on in terms of a terrorist attack. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on, but... Uh... I, I think it's interesting. Instead of people running for cover, they run outside. That's that's uh, definitely interesting, sir. Let me just uh, say that. Uh, I, well, I was one of those people that ran outside because, um, you know, I just didn't know what to do because I felt like if I was going to stay in the house and the house collapsed, I know you're supposed to stand in between a doorway, they say, with an earthquake, but who knows if it was really an earthquake. So I really didn't know. I ran outside. What can I say? Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't surprise me. You're, you've never been the smartest of, uh, of people, what can I say? <laughs> let's, uh, before we get the show on the road, let's give out some of the contact information, sir. Well, haven't we already gotten the show on the road, sir? I mean, it's a little too late to say before we get the show on the road. Yeah, let's get on the road. <laughs> We're already on the road, folks. If you'd like to be a part of this uh, program, the wonderful program, the greatest program on earth, 714-364-4721 is our call-in number for the guests. Or, excuse me, not for the guests. <laughs> they have a special line. For those of you uh, lay people, for the uh, adoring public, the number is 714-364-4721. Our website, as always, puregoldpg.com, where you can check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube. And as a matter of fact, folks, our website is newly redesigned. If you if you had ever checked it out before today, if you checked it out last week and you look at it now, it is looks totally different. Joe, as a matter of fact, I think you need to check this out because this is awesome. We had a whole new layout. We've got some new things going on there, and it is absolutely fantastic, sir. Wow, I must have missed the production meeting about this one. Like, what what prompted to uh, do the website over again? Well, what happened was. Uh, the guy who does the website, well, I mean, I, I've done most of the website work. I've basically done like 90% of it. The little minor, little tiny things that I can't figure out. I have one of my buddies, Jose, who takes care of that for me, helps me out, gives me some uh, some advice, or usually fixes it for me. And uh, he, he IMs me today, and he goes, hey, uh, what's up with your website? And I was like, what are you talking about? I go to our website, and our, our account, our entire page had been taken over by some 
if you can believe this, a Tunisian hacker. It said a uh, hacker seven or something like that. Number seven was the guy's name, and there was a little picture of a guy walking with the. Tun- I'm guessing it's the Tunisian flag. You know, I'm gonna have to have uh, our, our fearless producer. Oh wait, we don't have a producer because we fired both of them. Um, I'm gonna have to look that up and see what the flag looks like. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, I saw this thing and I got nervous, sir. And this is early in the morning. Apparently, our our website got hacked at around. Uh, Oh, I'd say 7:30 last night. If the uh, if what I looked up is correct, and it was just crazy. Yeah, the Tunisian flag. As a matter of fact, that's it. And it was crazy, sir. I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you since you're on vacation, but uh, I was working feverishly, and that is no exaggeration to get the website fixed. I was able to get that fixed, change a couple things, change the administrator, the password, and all that stuff. And uh, I decided, you know, why not just change it up and make it look better, make it look, you know, not as plain as it was before. Keep it functional, keep it nice, and, uh, you know, it's, it's some good stuff, sir. So we put some hard work into that bad boy. Well, I understand that. We are the biggest thing in the world nowadays with the ratings and everything, but I never expected, like, the Tunisians to break into our website and try to hack into us. Yeah, I mean, apparently we either have fans out there or we have uh, made some enemies out there with some of the comments that we've made. <laughs> I can only imagine if this ties into the... Uh, you know, the semi-stalker comments that I was referring to you in our production meeting last week. Oh, absolutely, and uh, I don't even know if we should we should justify that, sir, but, um, <laughs> it, you know, it's crazy. So we had that whole issue today with the website, and, you know, I fixed it finally, and, you know, I, I got some new security measures going on there so that this doesn't happen again, and it's just been a wild, wild ride, sir, a wild day, as it were, on top of the earthquake and on top of, you know, getting ready for tonight's big show and everything else. It's just been... It's out of control, so I wanted to uh, to tell you about that, sir, just to, you know, fill you in uh, and fill in the pure gold audience on, on the greatness going on. Yeah, as you give us the update, I am checking it out, folks. It is puregoldpg.com, and I do like it, the layout, sir. I think you've done a great job, and um, it's just unfortunate that somebody would want to hack into our website. I mean, you know, you could just listen to us every Tuesday and Thursday night, sir, for free, and you don't need to be hacking in, into our website and, you know, doing anything malicious, Definitely. I mean, that... we, this, this guy in Tunisia, I don't know what he's doing, but apparently he's, he either hates our guts or he loves us. Um, the cool thing now, though, and what I like especially about the website is that you can see all the way all the way down until Rima back in uh, July, basically an entire month ago, you can see that episode uh, still on the main page. You know, we've got we've got the Matt Walsh episode, Mike Vaccaro, Sal Licata, Neil Best, I mean... All Greg Giannotti, all the, the Billy Gunn, of course, and, and the Road Dog, and all the you know even the couple of videos by by Bright Lights Sheriff Foster from the IWF. We have all that stuff that's directly on our main page. Before you, I, I can only have like two or three things, so it was a constant update. And this just looks it looks clean, it looks nice. I gotta fix the header a little bit and make it more pure gold, sir. But uh, you know I have Jose working on that, so hopefully we'll be able to get that up and running. And uh, you know I'm definitely uh, definitely digging it, so we can get the info out there about this wonderful new website, sir. Yeah, and I hear that Road Dog has two words for us. Um, you know what? Actually, strangely enough, you're right, sir. He does have a, a couple of words for the audience as well. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. <laughs> Gotta love it. Wait, for those of you who didn't hear it the first time, that was our guest last week on Tuesday, the Road Dog, Jesse James, the one and only. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. Got two <laughs> Love it, sir. Absolutely love it. And he was a great guest. That was, at this point, sir, that was hands down my favorite interview. Uh, after that, um, I'd have to say Billy Gunn would be a, a very close number two. Although hopefully Billy's not listening now, so you know he doesn't hear me ripping him. But you know those those interviews, the New Age Outlaws, sir, to hear everything the Road Dog has gone through and to hear where Billy Gunn is in his career and where they are personally, it's just some great stuff and it's really uh, uplifting and, and encouraging. And uh, for those of you fans out there, those are two must-listen-to episodes, two of our best. That's us at our best with two of the best out there in the wrestling world. Yeah, and let's face it, DG, that uh, we had, you know, the the New Age Outlaws on the last two shows, and you're right, we had two great conversations, two great interviews with them, and it's a great way to probably segue into just talking about, like, the tag team, the rise of the tag teams as I've read on online onslaught, you know, the rise of the tag teams and Raw last night seems like they're going in that direction. I mean, I know you mentioned it a couple weeks ago that Triple H was definitely going into the direction of, like, you know, making tag team division important again, and it seems like they're heading in the right direction, especially if you watched last night's Raw, sir. Absolutely, um, and speaking of last night's Raw, you're right, that whole tag team thing is actually good to watch. It's nice to see 
that there is something going on with the tag team division. Tra- uh, changing the titles from Atunga and, and uh, formerly Hennig, Joe Hennig, is a good move because it shows that there's some interesting stuff going on. There's some interesting things. Uh, I gotta love the fact that they they did something with the tag team division which has been non-existent the past couple of weeks. You know, Evan Bourne and Kofi Kingston have been wrestling against the, the former tag champs, and they, you know, trying to get that going, trying to get that moving. And it's interesting because it goes to show you that. Triple H does have a different feel. I mean, there's there's an importance put on the tag titles. There's an emphasis put on them that I haven't seen or heard from in a very long time, and it's actually it's actually great for me to uh, to hear that, sir. And I actually love the fact that uh, you know it's going on. What I don't like though is when these uh, these makeshift tag teams are thrown together, which is what happened in this case. But aside from that, it it was great to also see. The fact that Evan and Kofi were so excited to win the titles, you know, to me that was just amazing. Yeah, that that was really cool to see. I'm just wondering, though, sir. I mean, obviously you could go in two different directions. You could revive the the tag team division by crowning new tag team champions, or you could just make your current tag team champions defend it more often or on both shows, whatever you want to do. Um, did you like the fact that they dropped the straps last night to? a makeshift team like Kofi and Evan Bourne? I don't like the makeshift aspect of it, but like I said, Kofi and Evan are two excellent wrestlers, and they're high-flying, and they're energetic, and they seem so genuinely happy to win the tag titles that it just made the title seem more important than they ever seemed with uh, with Hennig and uh, Atunga. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, that would be Michael McGillicuddy and David Atunga. But they just seem to be so enthusiastic about it. And everything I've read on the Internet has shown that Triple H is actually actively seeking to sign some time team, sign some tag teams like the excuse me, woo, Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero over from ROH apparently are in the works to be signed by the WWE, the Kings of Wrestling as they're called. Uh, they have the Usos over on SmackDown, and you know there's a couple other teams that they might be interested in. They just uh, tried out the Young Bucks, who were formerly of uh, TNA, so they're definitely going in that direction, which is great for me to see as, as a fan of, of tag team wrestling, sir. And it's uh, it's awesome that. They're finally putting some emphasis where it needs to be, and that is in the tag team division. And the way that the commentary has been going with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler and even Michael Cole, they just make the title seem so important that it just, to me, it really bolsters the undercard because that that's what Tripp seems to be going for. I also heard a strong rumor today on Justin LaBar's show. Um, he, you know, they're reporting this over in Russell's on the Triple H is actively seeking to sign some cruiserweights as well. Maybe not necessarily to bring back the cruiserweight title. But to have other cruiserweights go against the likes of Sincara and uh, and Evan Moore. Well, that was the the success of Nitro. I always thought they always started out with the, a great curtain jerker, as you will. The first match of any card is called the curtain jerker, and I always thought Nitro always caught my attention when they put those cruiserweights and those lightweights, sir, on as the first match. Not starting like the show with like an angle or somebody coming down the ring to talk. Uh, starting the match, uh, starting the show with a great match to get fans into it. I thought that was always a great way to, you know, get you to watch their show. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Some uh, some very good stuff there on, on their part. And, uh, you know, speaking of all that, I wanted to kind of throw something out there. Before we continue with our, our wrestling talk, um, we haven't really had a chance to talk with you being on vacation on me, just being a, a busy, busy guy. Oh, uh, you know, what can I say? Um I don't know if you knew this, and you probably didn't, but uh, yours truly was uh, mentioned on today's episode of uh, Sports Talk uh, dot com. Justin Labar show wrestling reality one on one with Justin Labar. Uh, did you know that, sir? Why were you mentioned? Well, because uh, they were talking about Matt Hardy, and this is going off the beaten path, but I have to throw this out there before I forget. You know, Matt Hardy. Uh, if you haven't heard, look for those of you out there in the in the wrestling world. He was arrested, um, and he was taken into custody, apparently, for being uh, driving under the influence. But he wasn't drunk. He passed the breathalyzer test of flying cars, but apparently he had some other substance. If you go look at his mugshot, you you probably check out TMZ or one of those sites, sir. Um, You see Matt Hardy's mugshot, and he looks like death warmed over. It's absolutely hideous. But anyway, so Justin was talking about this, and uh, he was was saying how, you know, he mentioned – he mentioned Rebby Sky, and he mentioned, uh, you know, how she's Matt Hardy's girlfriend, and there was a video of her getting tased by Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy that made the rounds over on the internet. I mean, some some crazy stuff, sir. But um, because of that, they mentioned Rebby, how she was, uh, you know, 
she's in the wrestling industry and she's dating Matt and how she was on a Justin didn't really know the name so he talked about the wrestling show that she was on or she is on which is what he said on Sirius and I had to throw it in there he mentioned it like five minutes later but I put my name I put my email I put all that stuff and I said how Rebby is no longer on Busted Open which is the name of the show that's on Sirius of course our friends Doug and Dave Dave who will be on with us on Thursday um and I mentioned that, I mentioned how she's no longer on the show because of that, and how the guys just mentioned on Monday that they're sad because, you know, her affiliating with Matt Hardy is just such a sad thing for her at this point in her her, her career, them being personal friends with her. And then, of course, the Matt situation is just some bad stuff. So when Justin threw out the old David Gomez uh, giving us some information, it was uh, it was good stuff, sir, and I absolutely enjoyed it. Did he mention David Gomez of Pure Gold? No, he did not mention... Uh, of Pure Gold, but that's my fault because I should have put David Pure Gold or David from Pure Gold, something to that effect. So I know next time he reads the emails on the air, and the next, the next time the show is on, which would be next Tuesday, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it like it's hot, and I'm gonna you know see if I could get Pure Gold mentioned on on the airwaves. I mean, considering how awesome we are with uh, with Mr. Labar. I'm looking at the mugshot of Matt Hardy, and he looks like you when you wake up in the morning. Oh jeez, <laughs> you're unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah, he looks terrible, folks, and. We we absolutely hope that Matt Hardy gets his life together. Matt's a talented guy, regardless of what you may think. And, uh, you know, the fact is he's still alive, thank God, and he can still do what he's got to do and say what he's got to say and, you know, take care of business and get in shape and get off whatever he's on because he's obviously doing something. So we're looking forward to uh, we're looking forward to that, Matt getting his life right, and hopefully Jeff will get his life right. And, of course, on the WWE dime, they can do all that. But, folks, we're going to have to interrupt this conversation because – we have joining us this evening our, our special host, our special host, our special guest, uh, who can be the host of the show if you, if you want it to be. Um, we're very excited and we're pleased to have the one and only New York Giant all-time great Leonard Marshall, number 70, joining us. Leonard, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing well, Mr. Gomez, and how are you this evening? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous. You know, it's really a pleasure to have you on as a, a huge Giants fan. And, you know, growing up uh, watching the Giants, it's just amazing to have you on the air with us. And we're definitely pleased. Joe is a, is a Jets fan. And, uh, you know, let's let's not really talk too much about that. But, let, you know, let, let's get right into this. Um, according to my notes here, you went to LSU. You were drafted by my team, Big Blue, in the second round of the 1983 draft. Now, um, was this a team that you thought was going to draft you? And where were you when you found out that you had been selected by the Giants? Well, um, to be honest with you, uh, so many teams were calling, so many teams uh, expressed a lot of interest. The crazy thing was, was a lot of teams were, at that time were looking at uh, positions on offense. If you if you recall that draft and, uh, and, and the talent that was in that draft, it was a major – a draft for offensive football players that year. You had guys like Gary Anderson from Arkansas. You had um, um, uh, Kurt Warner, the running back, the great running back that ended up in Seattle. You had Eric Dickerson in that draft, another great running back. You had a a couple of offensive linemen, Bill Frelick and Jimbo Colbert from, uh, from Pitt. You know, you had kids from all over the place that played offense. And then you had all these quarterbacks which cost me some money because oh, there were six of them that were drafted in the first round. Um, and being the fourth defensive lineman drafted in that draft um, in the first in the first two rounds, I knew that um, I, I had the talent and the possibility of being a first-round draft pick, but due to those quarterbacks, somebody thought that uh, those quarterbacks were a little bit better football player than I was. Well, you know, maybe uh, me prove some of them wrong on that one. Um, you know, speaking of your, your career, obviously you're a two-time Super Bowl champion, which for there's so many football players out there, even all-time greats, legends, Hall of Famers, who've never won one. Now, which would you say was more special to you, uh, the Super Bowl 21 or Super Bowl 25, and why? Well, you know, both championships um, have a special place in my heart. And uh, to be real, real honest with you, David, um you know, the first championship was just uh, uh, incredible because, you know, I got a chance to play with some guys um, who I had been with for about four years, 
and um, you know, uh, three, four, five of them were excellent mentors to myself. Um, you know, one being uh, Jim Burt, um, right. Another being Harry Carson, George Martin, Lawrence Taylor, and um, all time greats. Yeah. Um, if I don't mention my boy Whitey, I, I'd be disappointed because Phil Sims <laughs> really taught me what work ethic was, and uh, and how to persevere and how to fight through things. You know, and because of the challenges he has as a young quarterback who came here, a little skinny kid from uh, Moorhead State, and, and finally built himself a body between 1983 and 85, and, and he and I working out every day in the morning in the off season in 85 uh, for my uh, my college strength coach that we hired in 84, who really helped me uh, put together a career in 84, uh, Johnny Parker. Um, I tell you, you know, that team was real special. And then, in, and then in 1990, you know, Lawrence and I held out a training camp. We knew the team had no pass rush, uh, with both of us being out and a lot of responsibility. You know, it was more or less pushed in Lawrence and I's direction because of our, you know, our, our athletic ability and um, and our chemistry with each other to play together and play together so well. So, both teams have a, a tremendous amount of significance. But if I had to pick one over the other, '86 was a special group. Okay. Yeah, 86, that's an amazing you – know, Giants winning their first actual Super Bowl. I mean, me as a fan, I've always considered Giants a dynasty in the sense that they've been around for so long and they won several NFL championships. And, you know, but really as football fans now, most people just look at the Super Bowl. Um, you won your two world titles, and obviously, you know, you're a big-time player on the team. You mentioned uh, Lawrence Taylor, who's one of the all-time greats, and people have said he's the greatest, you know, defensive ball player of all time. Um, so you have your two teams. You mentioned how you thought the 86 team was a, was a little bit more special, but what was it like for you to win two world championships? Like I said, you have, uh, Phil Simms who won two, but you know, some have said he's not in the hall of fame because he only was the starting quarterback in the first one. The second one being Jeff Hostetler. Um, what was it like for you to win two world titles when so many other football legends have never even won one? Well, I tell you, you know, it, it, it's special, and it speaks a lot to, uh, you know, to what I put into the game of football, um, especially at, at, at the pro level, and, and what we collectively put into the game of football as professional athletes working for, you know, several of the greatest coaches, um, you know, to ever be involved with with a football team. You know, you have to keep in mind, we won those championships before free agency really came into play. And, you know, George Young being the old school GM that he was, you know, George was in the – he was really big and instrumental in, um, you know, keeping that team pretty much intact and keeping the same players um, within the organization, almost like college football, for uh, for as long as he possibly could. I mean, uh, if I go back and look at my team from 85 to 1990, I could look really to 91 because – the team I played on from 85 to 91, I think those those giant football teams could have won at least four championships. Wow. And uh, and if you would ask Phil Simms and Lars Taylor the same question, they'd probably give you the same answer because we were just that talented of a football team. We thought every time we hit the field that we were just that much better man for man than the other guy on the other side of the football. Hey, Leonard, this is Joe, uh, Dave's co-host. How are you, sir? Hey, Joe. <laughs> Let me just ask you this. When you, uh, you know, when you prepare for the Super Bowl, um, those two championships, did you find that the preparation, you know, when you, you the team first goes to the Super Bowl in 86, you're probably really focused. Do you feel like the team was really focused in 90 as well uh, during oh, that week of doubt, preparation? Buddy. Yes, without a doubt, buddy. I mean, you you, you got to keep in mind that, you know, that team was 10-0, all the way up to Monday night against San Francisco. That Monday night against San Francisco was the first night that I was actually projected back into the lineup as a starter, you yeah. know, because Bill Parcells was pissed off at me for holding out training camp, so he kind of punished me, <laughs> put me on a 10-week punishment, and, and uh, killed my consecutive start thing with the NFL. I would have had over 200 games as a consecutive starter being on the New York Giants, but he killed my consecutive start thing, and then I turned around and um, against San Francisco on Monday night, 
we lose seven to three, but we really won morally as a football team because that game showed us and taught us what we had to do to just to be just a little bit better to beat what was called the best team in football that season. And, um, you know, going up to playing them in the championship game out there in their place, and, I mean, really whipping their tail on their own turf because we physically beat them up that day, uh, we felt like that was our Super Bowl. We didn't give a damn what Buffalo had or what they didn't have or whatever. We knew we had just faced the best football team in football in the San Francisco 49ers. Which, ironically, is my wife's favorite team, but uh, we won't go there, Lenders. <laughs> <laughs> you got to let them win sometime, pal. Yeah, that's true. Now, we all know, Leonard, that you know football is primarily you know, it's a team sport, but you did get selected to three Pro Bowls and two All-Pro teams. Just tell us here on Pure Gold, do you feel like you should be in the Hall of Fame? Oh, I, I think my stats and my numbers speak to the Hall of Fame. I think um, um, you compare my stats to Howie Long and to Leroy Selman, two defensive linemen that played in the 3-4 defense and amassed the type of uh, of effort that, the, you know, we, we, we amassed as being defensive linemen playing in the 3-4. Uh, my numbers speak for themselves, guys. I mean, I was MVP of the New York Giants as a football team four times. Um, I was – two-time defensive player of the year on the New York Giants, you know, and that's with the great Lawrence Taylor and Harry Carson, um, who never really, you know, Harry never really won an MVP or a defensive player of the year award on the New York Giants, but he was selected to nine Pro Bowls because, you know, there were no other linebackers coming in in his era that yeah. were just that great except for Mike Singletary. So my numbers speak for themselves. I mean, uh, you look at Howie Long, you look at Leroy Selma, you look at Richard Dent, you look at what I did in my career, you look at what I did in, in big games and the plays in big games and season season in, season out, and the fact that I stayed consistent and averaged nine-and-a-half quarterback sacks a season all my season with the New York Giants, uh, it speaks for itself. I mean, i got to tell you, Leonard, I really respect the honesty and the uh, being up front because I do agree with you. you even played with the year with the Jets, my team, and you know I got respect even more for playing with the Jets because <laughs> you know that's something uh, that's really cool to play for the Giants and the Jets. Very few. I got to be honest few. with you, Joe. I really wanted yeah. to win for Leon S. I mean, uh, I broke my arm in that season, but I was really devastated when I broke my arm because I felt like for the first time in a long time the New York Jets had a chance to go to playoffs and really make a name for themselves. I felt like we had a good enough football team when Ronnie Lott and I decided to go there that uh that we could make that place a winner. I agree. How how did it feel though try to take us back to when you knew that you weren't going to end your career as a New York Giant because you spent most of your career as a Giant. How did it feel when you felt when you knew that you weren't going to end, you know, your career there? Oh, it was horrible. I mean, I toyed with the idea of joining the Jets as long as I possibly could. I gave George Young, you know, the, 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 the best opportunity to keep me as a New York Giant. I, I, you know, I begged them not to let me, you know, not to let me leave this organization because of money. And I said to him, George, I gave you the best years of my life. It's time for me to get, you know, my last payday, my last hoorah, and, uh, and, and, and to go out a winner. And I think I got one more Super Bowl championship left in me. Um, you know, I'm I'm the prototype right defensive end, um and in a three four defense and you're not gonna find another guy to replace me. And if you go back and look, ninety three the Giants strapped the three four defense and went to a four three. Um, because they couldn't play a three four, they didn't have the right guy to play right in for. Them. And that included yeah. John Washington, who was my backup. So you know, it's, it's, it spoke for itself. I mean, you know, it hurt the hell out of me to leave him because, you know, John Mara had an enormous amount of respect for John Mara, and I knew that John was going to deeply get involved with the football team at that time, and Chris Mara, the Mara family, and, you know, as hard and as tough as I was in negotiations for my money, I had just that much respect and love for the Mara family, and still today, until today, each and every last one of them will tell you that, you know, I, I I still put them on tops in terms of class, money, respect, and uh, and everything they did for me and my family while I worked for that organization. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand that, and I really respect that. And, you know, I, too, like Leon Hess, too, and I, you know, wish that the Jets would have won a Super Bowl that year, too. But uh, had it? Yeah, obviously. But how, how did you know, or as a professional athlete, explain to us, how do you know when it's time to retire? Um, You just know. You know, Joe, you just know. You, you, you know, David, you, you know that the game is not fun anymore. It, it's become work. You look at the kids that are coming in, and you, and, and you see the money they give these kids, and you see the way they work, and you see, you know, what they put into the game. And they don't put in anywhere near what you put into the game. They don't bring to the organization anywhere near what you brought to the organization. And yet you got to stick around them and pretend and, and, and hang out and, and act like you like them and, you know, and pro- hopefully bring them along. And, you know, yeah, you know, it, it's, it was leaving the game was horrible. Uh, it was the most difficult thing in the world for me, but I knew it was time for me to go. I just I knew it was time for me to go because, you know, uh, either I'm going to say the wrong thing, I'm going to not do the right thing, or buy buy another player, and you know, I just knew it was yeah. time to go. I mean, I worked in Washington D.C. You know, I worked with a kid in Washington D.C. that I thought was the biggest chump and scrub <laughs> that I've ever seen in my life in, in a locker room. And yet the Redskins paid him a hell of a lot of money. A kid named Sterling, Sterling Palmer from Florida State. And uh, the guy didn't put anything into the game. And the Redskins were paying him a million bucks a season. Right. He put now, nothing into the game, man. Right. So uh, there was now, never a co- – go ahead. Sorry, Leonard. Go sorry. Ahead, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say there was never a time where you had a discussion with the family and said, like, I don't want to get, like, an injury that's going to, like, hinder the rest of my life. There was never, like, a conversation like that, that you knew how you wanted to retire before an injury like that might happen? Oh, yeah, I had that conversation. And, and that conversation happened actually right after my daughter was born. After my daughter was born in 1995, that, that conversation right there I had. And I weighed, I weighed everything, you know, the season I had before. I was offered a pretty big contract to go to Carolina. Uh, to play for the Panthers, it was two years, $4.2 million, and I just felt like at that time, you know, uh, the game just wasn't for me anymore. Right. Well, folks, we're joined today by the one and only Leonard Marshall, New York Giant, great, a man who the three of us can agree should be in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, Leonard, we've asked you about your, your career as a football player you know, in the pros, but you're currently doing something that I found interesting when I, when I you know, checked out your website a while back when we initially contacted you about trying to get you on the show. Um, you know, we actually had Bruce Harper on this show several months ago, and Bruce is a, is a friend of mine. And I was like, hey, uh, do you know uh, do you know Leonard Marshall? And he's like, yeah, man, I know Leonard. So I was trying to, you know, reach out to him just to kind of get some, some feedback and stuff. And I noticed that you're currently a professor at my alma mater, Seton Hall, which is a great school. And you're teaching sports management, but what made you want to become a professor and teach that? Like, how do you go from all-time great football player to, you know, professor at Seton Hall? Well, you know, it's funny you you, you bring that up, David. I mean, you know, I just wrote a book about it. Um, And uh, it's about the journey, David. It's about the transition you make as an athlete. And it's about the journey and what you can bring to people and how you can uh, help people grow and develop just as people helped you grow and develop. And uh, the journey just led me to it. You know, I wanted to continue my education. I wanted to work on my master's degree. I wanted to work on my certification in management. I wanted to try to help teach young people how to continue to grow. You know, I believe in the adage that as long as you're green, you'll you'll continue to grow. But when you think you're ripe, you'll begin to rotten. And, um, you know, and and, and so I, I never was the kind of kid that stopped reaching and dreaming and, and trying to create and, 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 and why I live the way I live today. You know, my new book, When the Cheering Stops, which is uh, you can buy it on Amazon.com, you can buy it on your Kindle uh, at Amazon.com, um, or you can buy the hard copy at uh, at Borders and Barnes and Nobles, talks about the transition, talks about the fact that athletes are getting a lot smarter, uh, they're preparing for life after football while they're playing, and then some of these guys – that get injured along the way, uh, whether they go through a concussion stage or they go through a stage where they've been 
hit in the head or they have several back, neck, spine, ankle, knee injuries to deal with when they get out of football, that uh, they take the proper measures. They, they, they go and get, you know, the disability coverage that they need to get from the, uh, the benefits department at the NFL. They work with guys like Harold Henderson and, and uh, Terry Patterson and the folks at the NFLPA and the Burt Bell people in Maryland to, to make sure that they're covered and, and their families are protected. They get health insurance uh, for five years when they get out the game so that it doesn't cost them an enormous amount of money. I mean, health insurance right. for a family of four right now is about 2200 bucks a month. Uh, you add that up over four years, that's $100,000. Some players, when they wow. leave the game, they barely have 200 grand saved. They don't go get a job right away. Uh, and, and instead of dreaming and thinking they still can play the game for another couple of years, uh, they're going to be in trouble. So, you know, it's important that you, you realize, you know, you were this guy before you became this other guy on Sunday afternoon. And when you leave the game, you're going to go back to being that guy you were that came into the league, you know. So people think that, some people think that, you know, Lawrence Taylor is LT for the rest of his life, and, and, and he'll never be LT for the rest of his life. But he'll be Lawrence Taylor until the day he dies. Right. You know, that's a good point, and I love the fact that you have perspective on it. I mean, your honesty is refreshing because when when Joe asked you about the Hall of Fame, I was expecting you to say, like, oh, you know, well, that's not my place to say, like so many people do, but you were honest, which I love. And now everything you've got going on, being a professor, and I just want to make sure I got this right. You wrote two books or one book? Because I, I thought you I wrote, two. I wrote, I wrote two. Okay. I wrote two. I wrote two, and I and I helped with a third book, which is which Marty Moulet produced, uh, entitled "What It Means to Be a Tiger with Less Miles." And it's a twenty it's twenty six or twenty eight of the greatest players to play at L S U. Which oh, I'm wow. which I'm in the book. That's some good that's some good stuff. And and the first two books you mentioned, can you plug them again? The, the, the one you the talked end, about being a professor. The, the, yep, the end of the line is a book that I wrote in nineteen eighty six. I wrote it with Dave Klein, who was a beat writer for the Giants. And he owned his own newspaper at the time that that was for the fans of the Giants. And um, the title of that book is called The End of the Line, um, published by New American Library and Penguin Publishing. And my new book, which came out August of 2010, is entitled When the Cheering Stops. And uh, both books, there's a preface from Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells kind of collaborated with uh, my ghostwriter, William Benditson, from ESPN, the magazine, and um, we think this is a hot one. I mean, this one talks about the disconnect from the game. It talks about the things that the players go through as they try to transition. It talks about head trauma um, and the problems that players have when they leave the game from being concussed and not taking care of themselves properly. And it talks about life after football and deep life after football. And um, and why players go through and do what they do. I mean, we should introduce you, Leonard Marshall, as the future Hall of Famer, two-time Super Bowl champion, and accomplished writer. Because you know, this is something I did not know about you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm happy to to share me with you guys, and 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 happy to know that folks are all interested in of the in the positive things that players do and. Um, Absolutely. And I'm just one of those guys that's trying to bring a little bit more reality to uh, to uh, reality of human interest. That's it, human interest to the game of pro football. And I tell people, you know, the motto of the Game Plan Foundation, which is my nonprofit, um, the motto of the Game Plan Foundation, and you can visit that website at thegameplanfoundation.com, the motto of it is what the players did on the field made them heroes. What the players need now, since they're out of the game, is what makes them human. So human like interest that. is a it, human interest is a big thing for me. Well, I, I know that you tell it like it is, so this is going to be a great question because I know you're going to give us a great answer on this one. Uh, <laughs> with the current, you know, the, with the current lockout that we just got through, uh, whose side were you on, and, and do you think that both sides got what they wanted? Uh, definitely on the player side, without a doubt. I mean, I was a player in the game. I'm always be recognized as being a player. 
you know, uh, wish I wish I had the money to one day call myself the an owner of an NFL franchise, but I don't. Uh, I'm always going to be a, a guy who is for the, the the democracy, and the democracy in this situation is all the players that helped build the game of pro football, whether it was John Mackey's era whether it was the era before John Mackey, the era after John Mackey, the era that I worked in, um, and so forth and so on. If you put that uniform on and you played 3.3 years in the National Football League uniform and you were an individual that has the rights to benefits from the National Football League, then this current situation or this lockout was all about you. And what you put into the National Football League and helped some of these teams and organizations grow from hundreds of millions of dollars to a billion dollar organizations. Wow. You know, we, we folks, we're here talking to Leonard Marshall. And again, Joe mentioned it's just great to get a refreshing take because we as fans, you know, you can fall on either side of the spectrum. And truthfully, when you compare sports, you have baseball where everything is guaranteed, and you know football is not the case. You get the signing bonus guaranteed. So, you know, you mentioning the guys 3.3 years and, and the lockout being about them. I wish we didn't have to get into lockouts, and you know the fans didn't have to suffer. But ultimately, as long as the game continues, I think that we'd all be happy. I have just a, another question for you, Leonard, before we let you go. Um, the Giants, my team, great New York Giants. Didn't do much this offseason, and a little frustrating for the for the fans, mostly because of salary cap restrictions. Now, considering that they just lost three cornerbacks for the year with Terrell Thomas, uh, Brian Witherspoon, Bruce Johnson, and uh, you know their number one pick, uh, Prince Mukamara, is, is out. I think until October, mid October, at some point. Um, how much do these types of injuries affect a football team, and can the Giants? overcome this and have a good year because it's not looking too good, I have to admit. Well, I hope they're able to, to overcome it because, you, you know, I mean, uh, you know, if they're not able to overcome it, it could affect them big time. I mean, the Giants have all off season, you know, um, they've targeted their people uh, by position. They've uh, put in a, a tremendous amount of planning uh, on both sides of the ball with each and every uh, guy that they've uh, that they've uh, you know added to the organization, and uh, I'm quite certain that the Giants um, should they not be able to to have these players on the football field, they're going to have to make some major consolations and and hope that there's some good players still out there after the last day uh, um, or the last cutdown is. Uh, is up that you know they find they can find players at those positions um, and key players. I mean guys that you know they're not just bodies on the roster that are playing special teams, but that guys that can come in and and make a difference and 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 play the defense that's called and and help them win football games. They got to hope and pray they can find some guys to do that. Well. Leonard, what do you think about strapping on the old uniform again? Maybe getting number seven, you know, going back out there on the field and helping out your big blue. Well, I tell you what, I'm 50 years old, but I still think I got a little gas left in my tank. <laughs> you sure do, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. You know, it's for me, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to speak with you, and we just appreciate you, you know, giving us so much time and being as honest and as candid as you were. And of course. Uh, we wish you nothing but success with uh, the game plan and everything else that you've got going with the books, and hopefully you'll sell a few more copies and, uh, you know, take care of that after uh, this, this interview. But hopefully we'll be able to have you on again in the future. And, again, I can't thank you enough, sir. Gentlemen, thank you. And, thank uh, you, Leonard. And kudos to both of you guys, and hope your teams, both your teams do well, and especially yours, uh, David, because uh, <laughs> I'm still a giant fan, my friend. <laughs> Leonard. All right. Have a wonderful evening. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, Leonard. Bye-bye now. Folks, that was the one and only, the icon, New York Giant great, Leonard Marshall. Senior Hall professor, by the way, at great college. And, uh, I mean, there's really no way to segue from greatness into what we're about to get into. So, Joey, I don't know if you want to take it from here because I just can't even, I can't even repeat 
I can't even go from Leonard Marshall to this next segment. Well, the great thing, sir, is that our two teams will clash on Christmas Eve at 1 p.m. at the new Meadowlands Stadium. So let's just face it. We'll see who the better team is on December 24th. And with further... MetLife Stadium, yes, but I'm just saying they will face off on Christmas Eve and back from his vacation from Ocean City, New Jersey, the one and only Todd Johnstone. Sir, how are you? Well, we'll get a little preview on Sunday, you know, just a little sneak peek, a little appetizer to see who is going to be running the house. And if uh, past performances have got anything to say about it, I think DG is going to be a little green with envy. So... (laughs) Good news or bad news? (laughs) Either. (laughs) The good news is (laughs) the good news is the A's are leading the Yanks six nothing in the eighth inning. The bad news is is that the Phils are killing the Mets once again nine to one. But at least the Mets have managed to scratch out one run tonight. Mariners over the Indians eleven to six in the seventh. Brewers lead the Pirates 8-2 in the 8th. Royals over the Jays 6-3 in the 8th. Reds are trailing the Marlins 5-2 in the 6th. Tigers over the Rays 2-1 in the 7th. D-backs lead the Nats 2-0 in the 7th. Sox over the Rangers 7-3 in the 4th. Braves blowing out the Cubs 5-0 in the 5th. Orioles over the Twins 8-1 in the 5th. Dodgers over the Cards 8-0 in the 4th. The Mariners have lost to the Indians 7-5. White Sox Angels, Padres Giants, they first pitch at 10-15, and the Rockies are losing to the Astros 2-1 in the third. JB. Now, I usually feel my feet, or I usually feel the earth move under my feet when I get a Todd's take, but I, you know, got a premature earthquake today at about 151, so Todd must have been, like, really, really thinking of a great Todd's take at 151 because, like, the earth literally shook under my feet. Todd, take it away. I mean... Let me tell you something. I don't know where you guys were, but I was in an elevator today when that ele- when that earthquake hit, and it was a little, a little frightening. A little frightening wow. to me. So tonight, I want to talk about one Terrell Pryor. This guy has just been all over the headlines as far as sports goes. This kid, this kid, this kid, this kid is the face, the poster child for what is wrong with the NCAA and the NFL both. He was to be suspended by Ohio State for five games, all right? Five games for what is generally considered for being a spoiled brat, and uh, he felt he was above the, uh, the NCAA, and his actions were proof of that. So now instead of taking his medicine, he decides that uh, with, some, with some agent coach, coaxing, I'm sure, that he's going to apply for the supplemental draft uh, so that he can get into the NFL. Since the punishment was handed down beyond the time to declare for the NFL draft, he feels that he's going to be eligible for the supplemental. Now, make no mistake, this kid is a talent. I mean, and and probably would have gone as late as a one or maybe even an early two, you know, with the proper marketing from one Scott Boris in CAA. So that being said, why would anybody with half a brain give up a first or second round money Albeit, you know, about half of it is, it's it's only about half of what it used to be. But, I mean, to be a third-round supplemental pick and more than likely make rookie minimum, I mean, my personal opinion, and this is just my personal opinion, he owes somebody something. Somebody is holding this kid's marker. I mean, why else would he give up millions of dollars? I tell you, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. By the way, he went to the Raiders, who, by drafting him, now do not have a second or a third or any other significant pick for the, the draft next year. So, you know, another brilliant move by Al Davis. Now, in the spirit of cooperation, Roger Goodell has decided to enforce the five-game suspension on prior for knowingly trying to manipulate the rules of the supplemental draft. Now, New York Sports Radio is reporting that Roger Goodell is working with the NCAA in enforcing their suspension uh, as a means of sending a message to Goodell, or as a means of sending a message to the rest of the the college kids who who would be coming out possibly next year. Now, Goodell has been quoted as saying, the reason for the suspension is as I previously just did. 
that it's nothing more than him uh, trying to manipulate the supplemental draft. Now, this whole affair stinks like yesterday's catch. And, I mean, I don't know that we'll ever really know what's going on, but I'll tell you right, tell you this much right here. I'm done right here and now because, after all, we're talking about Al Davis, CAA, and Scott Boris here. And, quite frankly, I don't want my thumbs to be uh, taken. I'm Todd Johnston. JB? Good stuff there, TJ, as always. Um, yeah, the, I mean, it's. I don't think we're ever going to get to the bottom of this because there's just too much politics involved, but it's good to get a oh, good take absolutely. on it. Yeah, we do appreciate it, and welcome back from vacation. And we'll uh, talk to you another night, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Folks, that was the one and only Todd Johnson with his sports update and Todd's take back from vacation, Ocean City, New Jersey. I actually went down a little bit further south than Todd, uh, DG. I went to Wildwood, and uh, we could discuss that before we close out the show. But before we had Leonard Marshall uh, come on to our show, which was a great interview, I must say, uh, we were talking about Raw and how they were making makeshift tag teams, sir. Yes, we were. I think that uh, Lawrence Taylor and, or maybe not Lawrence Taylor, considering most personal problems, but maybe Harry Carson and uh, Leonard Marshall can get together and form their own tag team and win titles. Yeah, but we were talking about makeshift tag teams, and it seems like another makeshift tag team was formed last night. Um, give us your take on the fact that uh, the Miz and R Truth are now, it seems, another makeshift tag team. Well, sir. I'm not really sure how to take this. I think I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was interesting. My only thing is, I mean, it's this a demotion for the Miz, and I mean, Archer is never going to win the title. He shouldn't be champion. You know, he's semi-entertaining. But to have the two of them together, the way they own the crowd, that was definitely entertaining. Um, I know again, Triple H is putting emphasis into the tag teams, and I guess that's what this is going to be. I'm guessing, you know, the Austin Truth or something like that could be the name. But I mean, the Miz has been into multiple tag teams, so I don't really see how this helps him. Um, I mean, he keeps dropping back from main events down to there, so... I don't know. From an entertainment standpoint, I think it's good, but a character standpoint for the Miz, I don't think it's a good move in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you're right. In a way, it's a demotion for the Miz, uh, but it seems like he's not in the main event picture right now, so why not try to revitalize the tag team division, you know, which is Triple H is one of his projects. Apparently, so I mean, let's see where that goes. Again, I don't know about these makeshift tag teams myself. I guess Triple H needs to hire or sign some other legit tag teams before the tag team division is really legit. But um, at, at least, like you said, the Miz and R Truth are entertaining. Oh, definitely, they're definitely entertaining. But I really do think that they, there should be an emphasis, like you said, on actual tag teams put together. Um, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's going so great in terms of, uh, you know, getting them together because their philosophy for the last few years has been put guys together out of nowhere and then, you know, once they get successful, split them up and, you know, you don't have the Heart Foundation, you don't have the Rockers, Legion of Doom. Uh, well, Legion of Doom is a, is a special case because they really were never separate wrestlers. They were always together. Demolition, you know, it's amazing tag teams. You don't have that anymore. And, I mean, they got rid of one good tag team in Tyson Kidd and David Hart Smith, who, you know, D.H. Smith is no longer with the company. I mean, they could have had so many good things, but, you know, I'll take what I can get. I just don't know how it's going to work with the Miz and R-Truth and, you know, whomever else they may slop together. Like you said, they need to get actual legit tag teams, bring them in here, and just beat this division up. Yeah, I agree with you. So we'll see where that goes. And I guess the only other noteworthy um you know, angle that's going on Raw right now is obviously the main event picture. I mean, you had the show start off with Albert Del Rio come to the ring and, uh, you know, just start doing his thing. And then you have John Cena interrupt him. He comes down to the ring, how he wants his rematch. And then, you know, CM Punk comes down to the match. And, sir, where I want to get your take on this is that you mentioned how you thought that Stephanie might be the person that sent the text. And they actually addressed that, and Punk was smart enough to, like, you know, even mention the fact that Stephanie might have went into Triple H's phone and use it and text him. But then you have this whole twist at the end of the show when you have, you know, what well, we could go into it too. We have, like, uh, Kevin Nash coming out to the ring. Triple H has a discussion with him. He says he's not part of the company. He wants him to leave. All of a sudden, Kevin Nash gets into a car accident with quotations. I guess that was a little, like, 
twist in the plot. We don't know if Kevin Nash made that up or even John Laurinaitis made that up to get rid of Triple H and then have the little mosh finish at the end. Now, what do you still think that Stephanie was involved in this whole angle? At this point, I don't know. It seems obvious that it's going to be John Laurinaitis, especially after what you said last night with the fake car accident thing. I mean, it looks like Nash is involved in it. But again, Triple H could just be, you know, throwing us off the scent, as it were. I mean, I guess it's possible. It could be many things in, in that case. And this really isn't – it's a good story. And I have to admit, Joe, I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this, but I really feel that the WWE is more interesting than it has been in a very long time. And inconsistently, the Punk story is good. Um, the main event picture is pretty good. I don't like John Cena being in it, but that's kind of – I'll get into that in a second. The fact that they're pushing tag teams is great. The fact that they've got some stories going on with the mid-card with uh, Dolph Ziggler and, uh, you know, what's-his-face, uh, Jack Swagger and Alex Riley. I mean, it may not be the ideal what we'd want for them, but they're pushing it. They're pushing the whole show, which is great. They even have a semi-story going on with the Divas, so it looks like they're consciously trying to make their product better, and I think that they're succeeding overall, sir. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the show has been entertaining. Although I must say, again, I DVR'd most of the show last night. I watched up until about 10 o'clock. And um, I, I still found myself fast-forwarding through the, the, the middle part of Raw. You know, it's there are some segments that I, I actually watch in real time. Like, I want to see what Triple H and Kevin Nash were talking about. And it was interesting to see, like, those two guys talk. And then, obviously, the beginning and the end of Raw, I watched, too, without fast-forwarding. But you're right. They're going the right direction. They're making it more entertaining, slowly but surely. And then I think next Tuesday they have a combined show live. It's called Super SmackDown Live, I believe. Is it because yes. that the is it because Labor Day weekend is next weekend? Yeah, actually, uh, from what I read, again, this is just the internet reports, but they don't really do well on the holiday weekends, as you can imagine, because people are doing other things. So they want to capitalize on the live audience, which live SmackDown would be great, whether it's Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. A live SmackDown show would be a great thing. Um, so it should be interesting. They're going to have Raw guys on there, which, you know, I know we both feel that they should keep them on separate shows, but it is what it is, so it should be a good show, I think. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it is. They, You know, recently, the last couple months, maybe four or five or even six months, they've really not had, like, the, the, the Raw brand and the SmackDown brand. They've really had cross storylines. They've had guys show up on each show, so it'll be good to see another Super Show next Tuesday. Um, did you did you have any other notes or anything that you want to discuss about on Raw, sir? Oh, of course. I gotta mention uh, John Cena being in the title picture again. You know, I mean, we talked about it. Uh, we talked about the whole thing. We talked about this ad nauseum. But the truth of the matter is that him being in the title picture it's so repetitive, and I hate it, and I can't stand it, sir. I mean, why does he have to be in the title picture again? Why did CM Punk get shunted off to something else? I mean, Punk was only in the WWE title picture for like a month or two, really, for two months, and he was gone for two or three weeks uh, in terms of being away from the show. I mean, he was off of the one show, and then he came back at the end of another show. But why is, is Cena still in the title picture? Why is he still going for the title? And he just lost. I mean, all right, Punk got screwed last night. But CM Punk should have gotten that title shot at this pay-per-view, and they could have saved the Nash thing for another month considering that this next pay-per-view Night of Champions is all title matches, so Nash and Punk aren't going to wrestle on that card anyway. But the truth is, they should have kept Punk in there, moved Cena onto something else, given him his rematch one-off, and then go with Punk versus uh, Del Rio. What do you think about that, sir? I, I hear what you're saying about being sick and tired of John Cena being the main event, but I must say, I, am, I, I can almost bet the house on the fact that, by the way, I'm not going to buy the pay-per-view, but I can almost bet the house on the fact that Albert Del Rio is going to find a way to retain that title. I can pretty much assure you that, sir, John Cena will not be walking out of the you know, Night of Champions as the WWE Champion. Yeah, but why is he still in the title picture? Can you explain to me why in the blue heck? No, I, I understand what you're saying, but again, let's like you said before, though, uh, Punk is now all of a sudden tied in a bigger story, which is between, you know, now it seems like it's between Triple H, Kevin Nash, CM Punk, maybe Stephanie, and, and, and John Laurinaitis. So 
I think he's in the bigger angle than even the WWE title picture right now, and I think that people actually want to see that kind of real stuff. So the fact that Punk is now, you know, in it with Triple H and, and Kevin Nash at the at the very least, I think that makes it for great for TV because he, you know, he he tells it like it is. They go and break every barrier now, and I just think he's. I don't know if he's the modern-day Stone Cold Steve Austin, because Stone, even Stone Cold didn't do some of the things that CM Punk is doing. But I do find it refreshing that, you know, we're, we're getting a little bit, like, you know, Pyro said, we're getting a little bit behind the scenes and seeing wh- where this whole angle is going with Triple H. I agree with that, but didn't we want him to be the champion? Didn't we want him to change the title? Weren't we looking forward to that, and now we're not getting it? I mean, they, they mentioned the WWE Undisputed title, but it's the same belt. I mean, what the <laughs> heck? <laughs> I, I don't know are we ever going to get a new title, sir? Are we ever? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, are we? Uh, the question, I guess, more than that is that are we still in the John Cena era? I guess we'd have to be, considering that he's in every flipping uh, title match. I mean, he's in every pay-per-view. You know, this guy's lost like, the last couple of times, so you know you're going to keep pushing it and keep pushing it and keep pushing it. They need to move him away from the title. He needs to get away from it, sir. They need to do something else. Seriously. Enough is enough. It's time for a change. <laughs> hey, Raw Dog, do you uh, have anything to say before we uh, start closing out the show? Do I have anything to say? No, I think I've mentioned no. it. No, not, not you. I said Raw Dog. Oh. <laughs> you got anything for us? Excuse me, sir. You, I think you're talking about this. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. <laughs> I think Leonard Marshall is pure gold, sir. Oh, absolutely. Leonard was a great interviewer. I absolutely loved having him on, and he was just such a... He did a great job. His honesty was so refreshing. I mean, we've got honesty from a couple of guys, but he takes the cake, sir. I agree with you. Do you got any nuggets for us before we close out? Um, No, actually, I think we can put a nice little ball in this uh, one-hour early show. Well, before we do put a ball on it, what do we have in store for our folks, our fans, Thursday night? Well... On Thursday, we're going to have the icon, the legend, the great one, Mr. Dave LaGreca from Busted Open. That should be good. He's going to be on the air tomorrow, and uh, then he's going to come on with us Thursday. So that should be some good stuff. We're also going to be at 9 o'clock, folks, so make sure you check us out at that time. Next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled 10 p.m., but we are very excited and uh, ready for that to happen. (laughs) Good stuff, as always, sir. I think, uh, oh, yeah, I'm enjoying my vacation, by the way. I, I got back from Wildwood last night, and tomorrow I'm taking my daughter, Sabrina, to the land of make-believe. Really? Uh, you're going to make-believe that it's a good time? <laughs> I'm going to make-believe it's a good time. So you mentioned something about Wildwood, right? Were you going to touch on that at all or no? Oh, just the fact that, you know, I always think Wildwood, for me anyway, as a kid, um, my parents always used to go take us down to Wildwood for like four nights, four days, three nights, or even five days. And we, we took down Sabrina for about four days, three nights. Had a good time. Five days, three nights. Uh, exactly. And, you know, it's all about going on the beach during the day and then at night getting ready and, and doing the boardwalk, hearing that famous watch the tram car, please, about 100,000 times. But, uh, you know, Sabrina has a great – Sabrina, like her eyes – Nothing's more pure gold than having Sabrina's eyes light up and be like, I want to go on that ride, that ride, that ride, that ride, and having the money to pay for that ride, that ride, that ride, and that ride. Well, you are Mr. Moneybags, as we all know. Yeah. So we had a good time, and uh, she's pooped out today, but she's recovering, and again, tomorrow's land to make blue, so JB's vacation continues. Well, JB needs a good vacation, and I think we need a vacation from JB. But, sir, we are... I'd like to just thank the listening audience this evening. I thought we were going to get a special call tonight, but I don't know if the time difference threw off uh, one of our old buddies, but maybe that person will call in on Thursday's show. But, of course, folks, make sure to check us out Thursday at 9 p.m. with Dave LaGreca of Busted Open. That should be a great wrestling conversation, and we can rip him for loving Randy Orton and hating Christian. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to do that probably for half an hour. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we'd like to thank the great Leonard Marshall for a wonderful interview, one of our best, if not the best. I mean, Joe, these interviews get better and better and better. Every week, I'm just in love with the interview and loving it more than the last one. I'm with you, sir. Good stuff, folks, and of course, make sure to check us out. Check out our website, again, puregoldpg.com, the newly redesigned, 
And, uh, of course, check follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all that other goodness. You can follow JB at PureGoldPG. You can follow me at PureGold underscore DG. And, of course, you didn't know, I got two words for you. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. <laughs> you got to love it. Folks, as always, make sure to keep it PG. The way that you need to keep it. The way that it needs to be. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold reminding you that always keep it PG. Good night, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.